Hey, very good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Sean. This is Alex. And you're listening to another episode of Coaster Kings Radio's miniseries, Coaster Kings A through Z. And this week, the letter of the week is C for Cockroach Chase. So, Cop Car Chase uh, opened June 30th, which is our wedding anniversary, but <laughs> when you were born, uh, 1996, as um, Lethal Weapon Pursuit d'Achterbahn. Uh, Move for Germany, uh, which, you know, was moved, Warner Bros. New World Germany when it opened in 1996. Um, also featured other major rides, such as a major Batman motion simulator, um, a car stunt show in the center of the park, a never-ending story-themed rapids ride, one of the largest in Europe, the Bermuda Triangle Alien Encounter, another water-based dark ride, um, of course the infamous Bandit, the wooden coaster that was once ranked worst wooden coaster in Europe, <laughs> but we actually really like. Um, it opened as Wild Wild West, themed after the franchise right. with, um, what's his name? God, I forgot his guy's name. Um, I'm the wrong person to ask, but it's Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Will Smith? Yeah, I think it was in that. Really? Honestly, it was not. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Anywho, um, they also opened with a Looney Tunes uh, Adventure Dark Ride, another water-based ride. That's where the new Movie Park Moon Germany Park Studio, Studio Tour is located. Tour. And then another major dark ride for them was the Gremlins Dark Ride. Um, Which is now where Van Helsing is. Exactly. And the e-ticket for the park was both definitely um, Lethal Weapon Pursuit, the Achterbahn, which was considered at the time one of the biggest European roller coasters uh, of its age. It was incredibly impressive. It opened, as, it did a lot of firsts. It was early in Intamin's developing coasters and like kind of getting their foot in the door with rides. It was basically a super beefed up dueling version of Indiana Jones in Paris. It had two vertical loops. It had indoor and outdoor portions. It had an extremely detailed queue with lots of uh, life-size vehicle props, um, tons of theming. Uh, a pre-show, and it was also the first time that Heartline Rolls had ever been successfully executed on a coaster that was not like a Heartline Roll coaster. Prior to uh, Lethal Weapon Pursuit, the only Heartline Rolls were found on like Togo's Ultra Twisters and the prototype for Arrow's Pipeline coaster, and this Pipeline uh, Heartline Roll element on like a traditional looping coaster was revolutionary and would become a signature element on um, future Intamin rides, such as uh, the 10 inversion and 8 inversion uh, loopers for Intamin. Another cool thing about them was that they rolled inward, so the two vehicles would roll towards each other. Yeah, you would see the other cop car rolling in your direction as you rolled, and that's such a cool element, and it is a pity that we lost it, because it's still, to this day, the only coaster that did a, a dueling roll into each other quite like that. It was, it was absolutely spectacular. Um, which is really great because originally the idea for the Lethal Weapon Pursuit roller coaster at Warner Brothers Movie World Germany was going to be the exact same as Warner Brothers Movie World Gold Coast, which opened a couple of years early in Australia, and they got an SLC with an extended uh, bonus helix. That was the original idea for Movie Park Germany as well. And even though that became realized a couple of years later um, when they added a razor in 2000, or 2001 maybe even? Yeah, 2001, um, I believe. They actually got a custom coaster for the Lethal Weapon Pursuit, the Achterbahn, uh, which was located in an area called Marienhof, which was themed after a German soap opera. Um, these were city streets, 
And then within that city street, um, there was also a film museum, which is where currently Star Trek Operation Enterprises Q and pre-show are located. So, uh, okay. so Star Trek really was like the, the modern looper that came years after Cop Car Chase left. The spiritual success. And really, like yeah. right across the street from where the entrance of Cop Car Chase was is now the entrance to the um, Federation Academy or the Federation headquarters. So that's kind of cool. Gotcha. Uh, so the Riot experience started with entering a small kino, or, uh, which is German for cinema, uh, where guests would watch a scene from Lethal Weapon Pursuit. In this particular scene, it was, a, as the name, of the, the generic name of the ride would later imply, it was a cop car chase scene, where at one point the cop car catches an edge on the left side and flips over in like a barrel roll fashion and smashes through the window of Well, the, the vehicle that smashes through the window is actually the, the car they're chasing. Oh, it is the one So the red car they're chasing smacks through the window upside down. And yeah, then after, yeah. the, after you watch that scene in a little movie theater, which yeah. is staggered, you, yeah. so you're all standing on different yeah. rows. Oh, yeah, yeah. You walk outside of the theater in the back onto a back lot, a and back that's lot where that exact cars. same scene is located with the cup cars and then the upside down crash red vehicle uh, okay. and that's where we turn into the police yeah. and we go okay, on our own cop car chase. On the roller coaster it's the police cars that do the barrel roll because it, there's two different tracks here obviously and neither of them are distinct in their dis like in the way that they're displayed to guests it's just there's two sides and you go um, both sides are the police and both sides do the barrel roll into each other so it sort of it mimics this uh, iconic scene from Lethal Weapon Pursuit uh, the pre-show is strategic in such a way that it sets you up for that expectation, and then like really when it's when it when you do the barrel roll, it's like this great like aha moment, like oh my god, like we just did that scene from the movie, but on a roller coaster, and it's like nothing anyone has ever seen before. And now uh, this is where work is really cool. So match is 1996. This theme park is located. In the middle of nowhere. In the countryside. It yeah. is, uh, you know, that's where I was born and raised in the area, and there really isn't much around. There's a couple, a couple big cities, and it's kind of centralized between bigger cities for, you know, for European standards. But the ride really was kind of in the middle of nowhere. And the, the coaster scene um, in the mid 90s in Europe, there were some coasters, but the coaster scene when it comes to like hard theming was really rare. It was Disneyland Paris who had that's hard it. theming, and yeah. then Warner Brothers came in and said, hey, We've got a product that's proven to be successful, the movie studio thing. Yeah. Florida has several theme parks that do that. Hollywood has a theme park. The Gold Coast has success. We're going to bring in a high-budget roller coaster. And that's when Lethal Weapon Pursuit was really... That's why they became a custom project with Intamin instead of the project that they had on the Gold Coast, which was just the SLC. And that's also why the theming is so intricate. It was actually considered the first major coaster in Europe with like theming, yeah. um, including the queue being themed, um, having significant outside sets, um, having a pre-show that started before the queue even started, so it was it was a big deal. Um, and of course, the um, the ride vehicles were were delicately themed to cop cars um, to obviously fit fit the scene of the ride. So you might be asking, like, well, if both tracks are cop cars with different cop car vehicles, who are we pursuing? But we'll get to that. The ride's 16 meters tall, which is in feet. I don't even. Um, that is about forty-eight. I was gonna say it's not. Feet it's tall, not feet super feet tall. tall. It wasn't very we're, tall. We're talking Indiana Jones size, or like for my West Coast peeps out there, um, if you remember Windjammer Surf Racers, we're talking like a ride of that size, scope, and scale, but executed way better than Windjammer. Um, the drops were varied. The layouts were. In some ways, mirrored, in other ways, do uh, following. So there were moments where it raced and moments. Yeah, where there are moments where the rides on. were quite different, and there's moments where the rides was mirrored. So yeah. like both sides still offered quite a different ride experience, mm -hmm. though I'd say. 
The vertical loops were housed in like the first major indoor section of the gravity part of the ride, which were labeled as elevators. Uh, and one of the most memorable traits of the loops, well, I guess a couple memorable traits of the loops being that they were virtually circular, not so much a clothoid shape like what other designers were doing at the time, but very tight, very snug, um, I, almost identical to Indiana Jones in Paris. And because of the warehouse that they were housed in, first of all, there's two of them. If you've ridden Indiana Jones, you know how loud the loop is. It, it has a like a high-pitched, like hollow roar, yes, like, almost like a squeak, but a roar. And now imagine <laughs> two in one show building right next to a each very other. small. So the show sound building. really, really that, bounces the, off the walls. This is like quadruple amplification. Incredibly loud. When you watch POVs of this on YouTube, I mean, it is ear-splitting. Um, but still like a fascinating and thrilling effect and with the strobe lights and the sound of it and the forces It's like a sensory like a real major sensory moment So that's really one of like the main main focuses of the ride was that elevator shaft because we are going through these old warehouses where cars are, are um, It's like our, an our store. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. Um, then after the vertical loops um, the right vehicles both shoot up um, and then have a section of helices and some airtime hills and the they pitch both black. They kind of like pretzels. Yeah, almost like a pretzel. And then they end up on the opposite side of the right plot. So at one point they pass by each other and they end up on the opposite, uh, you know, opposite sides of each other. So the left track is now on the right and the you know, right track is on the left. And then they enter the second lift hill, um, which then brings them back outside. So this entire time after the first two uh, you know, helices and drops, when they got inside towards the vertical loops, ever since then they've been inside. So uh, the majority of the ride plot was just giant show buildings. Um, so then the ride vehicles pop out of the lift hills on, uh, outside again. I think the lift hills are really clever. It was great for like getting more mileage out of your ride when the ride's not very tall. Exactly. And it serves as a, a functional mid-course section for operating three or four trains. The ride was very high capacity. Very high capacity. So yeah, after the second lift, you um, have a smaller drop again out of the out of the okay, show like building. A dueling right turn. Yeah, right turn, the and then you go back up into the main building, and then you have a slope drop down. This slope drop down led into the car uh, compound section of the ride, which this was clearly labeled, so you know what part of the ride you're in. Lots of cars stored there. Uh, you know, there, there was a lot of theming inside, despite it well, being a, hill. a warehouse vibe. Then there's an airtime hill. Um, during the airtime hill, you'll hear a loud shrieking car sound effects which was an indicator of the next element, which was a small straight section towards the back of the show building. Before you headed out, there was actually a burning car that flew overhead. A full-sized car. Like a full-sized car. car that was attached to a roller coaster. Um, <laughs> and it, it, it shot over both ride vehicles while on fire. This was actually the first ever time that roller coasters used a fire, fire effect that yeah. had physical fire, not like some sort of faux effect. Yeah. Um, and then right after that, the roller coaster would race into the, the hardline rolls facing roll. each other. So yeah, um, that is the car. The, I, I think of it as like the flaming car on the, on the roller coaster track that is positioned above you as you're about to careen out of the warehouse. That is like who you're pursuing. And in the, in the midst, you fly through and, and uh, it, it's not only is it an amazing effect, but it serves as a great distraction because it distracts riders from the barrel rolls that soon follow immediately out of the show building, which are, you know, incredibly thrilling. So, and, very um, satisfying effect. For those curious, the, uh, the car effect was done by an Australian company called FX Illusions. Um, so they came in and they built a whole cost, uh, custom, um, you know, roller coaster track and ride vehicle 
that would run on that track just to be flying over as a as a show scene every you know every few minutes. It was sort of like an art shape, so it would come over and then it would reset for the next. In theory, it would reset very quickly um, with the amount of capacity that the ride was designed to accommodate with like the multiple lifts. Um, so Intamin designed the ride, obviously, um, as you know the Indiana Jones similarities here. Um, Giovanola <laughs> actually built it to you know another Giovanola coaster to yeah. add to your list. Yeah. Um, it was definitely considered the most spectacular coaster in Germany at the time. Um, and it was really rivaled only at the time in Europe by rides like Space Mountain. In Paris, which is yeah. also obviously considered, you know, top of the world spectacular. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 1999, Premier Parks, later known as Six Flags, um, bought the park from Warner Brothers Corporation in a majority stake and they operated the park. Um, this is also when um, the, the real deterioration of the ride started. Um, the whole park, if you listen to other podcasts about it, this is kind of like the start of its initial demise. Um, <coughs> Yeah, the, uh, the fire effects, for example, was turned off right after the acquisition. It's so sad because it only lasted three years and it was like so spectacular. Yeah, four seasons because it started yeah. being turned off in 2000, so it ran oh, for, yeah. since, for yeah. uh, 96, 97, 98, 99. Yeah. Um, and then um, Premier Parks also started running the side separately on slower days or um, not operating one side at all. The silent killer of racing and dueling coasters is when after Always. a few years the dwindling attendance and then you stop racing or stop dueling or stop running both sides at the same time to cut costs and suddenly the ride appeal drops even worse. Um, Star Parks, which I'm actually not super familiar with this, but this was this company was in between Premier Parks and then uh, who owns them now? It's, it's um, Parkers Windows. Oh, it is Parkers Windows. But yeah, so say. Star Parks acquired, acquired the park them in 2004 and that was because Premier Parks was like really crashing following their spending spree in the late 90s and early 2000s. So, so sold of all the European acquisitions. They sold off the Wallaby Parks, Bellavade, all of that. So 2004 was the great purge for Premier Parks. So Star Parks acquired uh, Movie Park Germany and that's when the park was renamed Movie Park Germany. They lost all the Warner Brothers licensing, obviously. And so uh, Lethal Weapons became the generic cop car chase um, for the 2005 season. And just a personal note real quick, that was really noticeable in 2005 when the park reopened. The same with Wallaby, um, reopening from Six Flags Holland to go back to Wallaby yeah. World. It was very, very noticeable that all the licensing was lost. Uh, it was a really weird time. I remember, I remember going in the summer of 2005 and all of our favorite Looney Tunes rides were characters that were completely made up. It yeah. was an incredibly awkward and really sad time. Or stuff was just closed I was watching. was no easy fix. For... I was watching promotional videos from the from the Star Park times. I mean, they did try their very best. Yeah. But it was it was it was kind of hard to watch it back actually the last couple of evenings. Anybody when I was who's research familiar on with like the Paramount Parks, the first year that Cedar Fair owned them, know exactly how this felt. They know exactly how that went down. Um, another couple things that were cut by by introducing Cop Car Chase is you would still enter through the um, through the movie theater in Marienhof area. However, um, there was no more pre-show to watch. You would just go straight to the queue. Um, the ride also started running rougher. This is not necessarily due to the fact that Star Park has acquired it, but the ride's original mixture of concrete that was poured for the footers um, was considered poor by engineers. And so Cop Car Chase, even though it still ran from 2005, 2000, and 2006, occasionally racing, um, it was eventually closed at the end of the 2006 season. And honestly, it was kind of just removed yeah. without any announcement. It was it just was, removed. It was, it was a short 10 years, 11 years-ish for this ride. It was. Demolished pretty matter-of-factly. Um, there wasn't really... I mean, it, the ride was so spectacular, it's kind of hard to believe that it had a 10-year shelf life because that's very short, especially for something 
so remarkable, but when you have uh, a park that's struggling to keep the doors open, you have an expensive, oddball roller coaster built by uh, companies that are still kind of getting their foot in the door with like certain product lines, like looping coasters, for example. It just wasn't meant to be, so the ride was completely leveled and replaced with, um, I would say a fairly marketable and relatively successful Santa Monica Pier themed flat ride area. It was one of the few ways for them to have something that sounded like a movie park in Hollywood uh, without having to pay for licensing. That worked out really well, but in the end of the day, we just gotta remember, um, it really was a power move and I'm just so glad that that park got that investment and even though it didn't last, I, I didn't ride it till the very last season, so I rode it on a little school trip. Um, and until I know that I wasn't going to be around my next visit around, because I went to the park a lot, but I didn't ride it until the very last year that it operated. Are you so um, glad you got that credit? Yes, and now I got to think of West Coast Racers, and in my head it lives as like the cup car chase follow-up. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad it exists, and maybe that's why I'm such a big fan of the ride. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of it's the story of cup car chase, little weapon pursuit, the Achterbahn um, that ran and moved our journey from 1996 to 2006, 11 short but loved seasons um, and next week we're going to be discussing Dragon at Ocean Park. Another roller coaster that is demolished now, very sad, but something that needs to be talked about. Dragon at Ocean Park, like Cop Car Chase, um, should never be forgotten because of the historic power move that these uh, looping coasters represented for their specific park, uh, for their particular uh, for their respective parks, wow. excuse me. <laughs> so we'll see you back on Jesus. next Monday, every Monday for the next uh, 24 weeks. Co Coast to Kings Radio, A through Z. And this was Sean. This is Alex. And we'll catch you next week. Bye.